Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook. It's me, Mike Kinoki, your host, contractor at large. And in this third installment with Michael Anchel, we're talking about travels in Alaska and around the world. The pod ran really long, so I gave this a third bonus episode. So here's a couple sound bites, as usual. Let's roll. She didn't have to do that. She, you know, that was very gracious of her to invite a stranger into their village and, and then be so generous. There's a lot of folks who, when they go other places, they really snub their nose at that place. And they, mm. they're in a state of constant comparison to their, either their expectations or their own. They miss the whole point. They miss the entirety of being in that place. What can we do for you? How can we show that we're, we want to be in, in, engaged and grateful? And they're not looking for anything in return other than human contact experience. That's, that's, it's just rich stuff, man. I think it's awesome. If Get back off contracts now. Cause we've done. We've checked that box. I think we I think we beat it to death. <laughs> um and in nineteen in summer of nineteen ninety-six, uh my girlfriend and I took our we took these rowing boats they're modified double kayaks mm -hmm. um that you, like a tandem or a side by side yeah, it's a tandem but instead of molding two holes they mold one and you put a sliding seat and outriggers in and row and we each had one and we Sweet. rowed from atlin british columbia to Amonic in alaska um so it's the headwaters of the yukon behind Juneau in bc through the yukon territory and then out the entirety of Alaska to the Bering Sea. Wow. Uh, and yeah, so five mile river, 30 mile Atlan River, all those. But it's really all the Yukon in a sense, because that's where the actual headwaters is. They say it's Lake LaBarge, but it's really Atlan Lake, which cool. is 800 miles further away. Um, and the reason I brought that up is because you said you did the, the Yukon 1000. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, so how long was your paddle then? Well, it was, it was 63 days because we, we could haul. I mean, we were doing 80 mile days in, on the upper Yukon in Canada and you can't do that in a canoe. I mean, unless you don't sleep like they do in those races where it's two people just paddling nonstop. And one of them's actually <laughs> falling asleep while they paddle. Cause that was the, there was the, there was the Yukon dash when I was on there, which was like from, Dai to to uh, Dawson City. Hmm. Did so? Have you? Did you do it then? As that, well? No, 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 no. We we just we just did our trip. We were just on the river for two months. That's we had awesome. brought our all, we brought our food. We dehydrated all the food for the trip and blah blah blah. Fun. That's yeah. awesome. I love sixty three days. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, 2,200 miles. That's wicked. Roughly. That makes that makes my that makes my my adventures look like chump change, man. I like it. 
Well, but you've done one thousand, huh? Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I haven't done that. So, what? what I don't know if it's about? still if it still even exists. But mm. uh, you know, actually, we made the white made the white horse paper made the front page of the white horse uh, Tribune or whatever that is. That was kind of exciting. It um, yeah, really hard race, uh, thousand mile paddle, and it's a it's a bona fide race. Um, 18 hours of paddling a day, six hours off. You have to be off the water for six hours. That's the, those are the, the rules. Um, and it's unsupported. So it's a point A to point B with nothing in between. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I learned, so there's a lot of prep. There's a lot of work that goes into training to be able to paddle 18 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it's really uh man there's a ton of good business metaphors that come out of this one but you know it's like a little a little thing like a little grain of sand type thing over 18 hours becomes a wound and you know we, there's a lot of things we learned about posture and paddling and technique where it's like you could paddle that way for four hours but not for 18 if you did that for 18 you weren't working the next day your your shoulder would you know your hands would, would all kinds of things would go on. So a lot of like working with a chiropractor, a lot of little exercises, little things that we would do while paddling to kind of reset our frame. And, um, but the, one of the big things I learned was that Minnesotans who we are canoe culture, right? We, 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 we have our lakes. We love mm -hmm. our canoes. We spend a lot of time on the water. We're water people. We're not river people. We don't know jack about how to read the current mm. we're paddlers on flat water yeah you know we know how to paddle in a, on a windy lake no problem but uh my teammate and i for the life of us could not stay in the current mm. and we were paddling hard i mean this is the most demoralizing day we've been we, we paddling along and we pass these guys they're fishing and they're just like on the Yukon fishing. We're not that far out of white, out of white horse. And we're paddling away. We're, you know, we're, we're working. And like six hours later, we passed these guys again. They literally had been drifting, doing a little paddling here and there, but they were nested in the current. And we had like, you know, we're looking at the islands because it's a braided river and we were trying to, you know, pat, chart the, the shortest route, you know, weaving through stuff. Yeah. And then uh, we broke a paddle outside of Dawson. Uh, water filter clogged up when we hit all that glacial, uh, all that, that silty, cloudy white water. Um, so we ditched the, the, we ditched the kayak in Dawson. So we didn't complete the Yukon 1000. Mm. But we didn't turn off our our spot geolocator that sends the thing to the race organizer. Uh -huh. uh, instead, we went and hiked up a mountain. So it showed us going off course. Then we got in a plane with all of our kayak gear and we flew to Fairbanks. And then we went to Denali and uh, spent a few days out there with the bears. With the, But, you know, we had like Duluth packs and all of our, <laughs> all of our gear was water gear, but right. beautiful country. Holy smokes. Yeah, Denali's pretty special. Yeah. Barren, though. Weird. You know, like, there was so much less life 
than I was expecting. Even 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 through the Yukon, there was a lot less wildlife than I was expecting. Hmm. When were you in Denali? Because that, that place is so dense with wildlife, it's insane to me. But it uh, depends on when you're there, when what you're going to see for sure. So I'm trying to remember when, um, I want to say, is it August? It's mm. like berry season. Mm. Um, so lots of bears out. Uh, yeah, we challenged a, a marmot to a fist fight. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I th- and maybe it's because it's so spread out. It was yeah, a little chilly, but... And spending and 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 it's just a matter of how much time you get to spend there too. I worked in Denali for a summer, for part of a summer, so I was doing surveys at night. So we we'd start work at two in the morning and finish at nine, and I'd see everything. Yeah, because everything's sheep, out. Bear, uh, a lot of wolves, yeah. um, and a lot of caribou, and then yeah, of course, a lot of bears. Yeah, um, but. But it's a special place for sure. Uh, and did you get to hang out in Dawson for a bit, or were you in and out of there? Oh yeah, no, we went into Dawson, tried to repair our gear, couldn't get it done. We were already in. I think three teams had dropped out at that. Three or four teams had dropped out already at that point. We were in second to last place. The winner, by the way, the winner finished with his hands duct taped to his paddle because he had rubbed the skin off and was down to bone. It's a it's a messed up race. No, we partied in Dawson. We got off our boat and we were we had been eating, you know, dried food, mm-hmm. and we went to a bar and our metabolisms were on, you know, light speed. So we just, you know, we're putting away beers and burgers and the sun never went down and next thing we know it's like four o'clock in the morning and, mm-hmm. and the sun's it was, it's, yeah <laughs> or it rose half an hour ago yeah yeah so you've been around the world as well so the, the yukon is awesome but you've had some pretty um you've had some pretty fun adventures as well and i mean 63 days on the river is cool but you mentioned borneo and and uh indonesia and malaysia yeah, Have I've you done been, any, I, any adventuring out there? Yeah, I, like river stuff. No, just you no. know, whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, I've been to I've been to forty something countries, um, and I try to go to different country every year, a couple countries. Although I'm sometimes I just want to go sit on a beach now, and not have to plan. Cause sometimes not planning feels really good because we spend our lives planning. Right. I mean, every day, every minute you're like, Ooh, pivot, new plan, you know? <laughs> oh, this didn't work out. New plan. So. Do you, do you ever just, uh, or not do you have you, have you slash do you ever just kind of be like, pick a place and go with minimal planning and just kind of sort it out for a month and mostly cool mostly i now i try to have more objectives but some places i'm going i I don't it's like oh i I might head this way but i just kind of let it happen let it evolve when i'm there because because you never know who you're going to meet and i've found that in traveling 
I've often met locals where I am and all of a sudden you're at their house and that's cool. You know, you're in someone's house in another country and experiencing their lives and their shoes. And there's nothing better than that. Isn't that, that's the truth. It, yeah. It's one of the coolest things about human beings is we have this immense capacity and desire for connection. You know, one of my favorite, I've, I've, I've had a lot of awesome connections with people in other countries and a lot with contractors. Um, and that's kind of why this podcast came about too, because we all laugh at the same stuff. doesn't matter if we're speaking Spanish and we're telling the same stories about the, our clients and laughing or, or the subs or what other people do wrong. It's all the same stuff. But uh, I was in Uganda um, uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, I had just finished sitting with Silverback Gorillas, went and hung out with chimpanzees. You know, you do the primate thing in Uganda. And then mm-hmm. I was I was rafting the Nile. I was gonna head into Sudan and go through Sudan to get to Egypt. And then the civil war broke out. And so I, I, w- I went to the Nile, uh, this town called Jinka for a few days and, and rafted. And it was Christmas Eve, we were coming back. Christmas Eve day, our raft truck, you know, drops everyone off at their hotels or whatever mm-hmm. you're staying in. Not definitely not a hotel. and uh and my rescue my rescue guide was sitting in the back and and i was the only person in the truck and she said are you alone and i said yeah and she's like you're gonna be alone on christmas day and i was like yeah but it's okay i i knew i knew this would it's fine don't worry and she's like oh no 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 you're you're coming to my house for christmas and i was like you don't know you don't have to do that and she said no i'll be I'll be at your room at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And she came and got me and she ran. She wore like she dressed up. Everybody's going to be dressed up. She dressed up Mm -hmm. and walked me back to her village. And it's definitely a place you would just drive through. You wouldn't you wouldn't stop there. You wouldn't think there was anything there Mm -hmm. and completely took me in, introduced me to her sister, all the neighbors, all the kids. Um, Her husband was working. He was coming home later. And she bought me a beer, which she didn't need to do. I, that costs yeah. money, you know, like the, they were living on, I, you know, people in other countries are living a subsistence lifestyle for the most part. They're living on the edge. I mean, it's always, they're always like one day away from not having anything, Yeah, you know? And then they took me out because it's Christmas Eve. So the village is going to be out partying they took me to the bar we played pool i was a spectacle yeah <laughs> it was probably phenomenal. the only white guy to have celebrated christmas with that village in the history of that village i bet i bet the pictures are awesome i've actually been in touch with her recently and and uh yeah because it was she didn't have to do that. She, you know, that was very gracious of her to invite a stranger into their village and, and then be so generous at the mm-hmm. same time with, with, with very little means. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it helps that, you know, you're, you're a nice guy, you know, when, when we've been in, I know that, I know that, you know, that this is the case because you've seen it. I, I know you've seen it because I've seen it a hundred times. There's a lot of folks who, when they go other places, they really snub their nose at that place. And they, mm. they're in a state of constant comparison to their, either their expectations or their own country. And they no miss, they miss the whole point. They miss the entirety of being in that place. You know, that similar, you know, when, when, when you're invited to somebody's house, I mean, how many of us would do that in the U S invite somebody to our house? I mean, Minnesotans, I mean, we don't, we don't invite it. We give people directions, but we don't actually, you know, but you think about like, if you, you know, somebody was at a bus station or whatever, you know, whatever you would, how many of us would invite them to our homes in the U S and yet you go to the other places where they're just community and friends and family are huge in their success, their life success, their value proposition is family and, and obviously food, but community is underneath everything, right? It's, and when they, and they, their desire to bring you in, to bring community to you, for you to bring community to them, even if they have nothing. You know, when you get invited to that, that little villager's hut, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, right? And someone invites you into their, their ramshackle mud brick hut and they're not even wealthy enough to afford tea leaves. So they boil water and you have a cup of hot water with them and their family. And you don't speak the same language and you smile and you point and they're just excited to have met you. Mm. And they gave you, you know, maybe I remember once like a single tea leaf in the cup, you know, and they all had water and I got tea because it was like, what can we do for you? How can we show that we're, we want to be in, in, engaged and grateful. And they're not looking for anything in return other than human contact experience. At, that's, it's just rich stuff, man. It really is. So, yeah, those connections, we talked about success and what matters. And, and maybe those connections. <laughs> yeah, we did. And, and, and those connections are so basic but but it's a it's a it's like our energy source it's a human thing um well do you think that do you think that the people listening to this should subscribe to this podcast <laughs> i think i think anybody's still listening this far they should definitely subscribe to this podcast. I think it's awesome what you're doing. Like, I really do. I think that the, the way that you're holding these conversations and bringing these sub bringing these subjects into conversation and the individuals that you're connecting with and the, the purpose for um, creating this possibility for the industry to be better and to, to be more navigable is it's a pretty noble pursuit. 
So kudos. Thanks. I, one of the things that's really come out of it for me is that, is that the people I'm talking to are so happy to share and be and show their, be vulnerable and show that they're humans. Whereas the industry I came into, I felt like was just protecting secrets, just hiding from each other, hiding the numbers, hiding behind something. And it's not like that anymore, at least for a lot of us. For yeah, they yeah, there's the caveat, right? And and hopefully from that will change for the rest, for those who are not yet there. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So right. subscribe to this podcast. Yeah, and uh and give us a rating. And you can do a you can leave a rating on iTunes, your podcast app, or you can actually leave one on my website now because I have a new website where you can go to it. You can subscribe to my newsletter and then you can actually write whatever you want. You can say, those guys did not talk about construction enough. They talked about whatever they're into. One star. It's fine. Or you could give me a five-star review because that'd be better. Um, and, and you can follow Michael and see his work at, at OA design build on instagram uh, at oa builds at oa builds and you can check out their website too oadesignbuild.com you can follow me at the contracting handbook on instagram and the hammer app i'm just mike kinoki there and you should check that out because it's just trade people talking about trades michael thanks for being here take a bow You've, been, you've provided incredible information and insight for so many people. And it's been, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I'm so glad. It's, you been a, it's been a blast getting to know you. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>